All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Bluefish Comics Podcast. Uh, we have a lot on our plate today. Chris and I just sat through the MTV Movie Awards. It was very painful. And yeah, it we, was. We sat through it because we were promised a Suicide Squad footage. Um, I'll tell you what, Suicide Squad owes its fans after what we just had to sit through. And they delivered. Would you agree? Yeah, I was. Uh, it was really good footage. Um, they are um, trying to set the tone trying to set a different tone than uh batman vs superman and uh and a steel so we'll get into that too so yeah and you mentioned that and i was like which they it, it should be obviously you don't want all your all your movies to have the same tone and it's still a dark tone it's just dark it just has more comedic Com- elements because yeah. of yeah because of all the characters that are involved which makes sense you know the tone of the movie has to cater to the characters involved so i like that a lot um i thought that harley quinn owned the entire footage i don't know if you call it a trailer because it didn't really feel like a trailer it felt just more like a little bit of footage um i thought she she won the she i think she won the entire award show i think she was phenomenal i mean what was your favorite part of the uh of the footage it would be anything that had harley quinn in it <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to go against margot robbie she's so yeah. gorgeous uh, and she had some really good lines too uh, i like the i can be quite vexing part um, when, when Rick Flagg is talking about all the things that'll get them dead <laughs> and she had some really funny, funny lines. Uh, Will Smith was great again. I like him as Deadshot. Uh, we saw a little bit more Batman. He had, I think there's one, one quick shot where he's walking with Harley Quinn in his arms. Uh, he's walking like towards the Batmobile. There's the Batmobile shot again that we've seen a few times in other trailers. And then there's a shot of him jumping off of a, off of a, I guess a, a bridge or, or something like that. And down into what looks like water. It's really dark and really quick, so I couldn't, I couldn't tell exactly. Um, I went back and I watched that scene a couple times, and it looks like, it looks like something's wrong with his face. I don't know. It, he almost looks like a zombie. It's, and again, it's like a split second, and it's really hard to tell. But I'm wondering if maybe Enchantress has, um, like, possessed him. Yes, I'm wondering if she possessed him, and he's kind of acting on her behalf. I don't know if I'd. I don't know if I'd be in love with that. I'm not a big fan of mind control, especially as Marvel does it all the time. Just let Marvel have mind control. <laughs> but uh, what would you think of the Batman scenes? Um, well, that one scene that you referenced um, when he's jumping into the bridge, I thought that he had like something covering up his face. Maybe that's it. Yeah, like um, like a bre- like a rebreather. Rebreather. Oh, yeah. that would be cool. Yeah, that'd be um, really cool. But I was more curious on who he was jumping in after. Um, yeah, they cut it very. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because you didn't quite. See, you know that there's a another person there, but you don't. You don't know who. Um, I thought maybe it was like Harley Quinn, or um, it could even be maybe even like Barbara Gordon or something. I don't know. Yeah, it could be a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we see, like I said, we see him holding Harley Quinn. So that would lead me to believe that he's jumping after her. And maybe that'll parallel the way Joker jumps in after her when she goes into the vat later on, which we've seen in the last trailer. That'd be pretty cool. But uh, we got some more. We also got some more footage of Joker. Uh, what do you think of him? I mean, I think. Uh, um, oh my God, I forgot his name now. Jared Leto. Yeah, Jared Leto. Uh, and I listened to Thirty Songs to Mars too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jared Leto. Um, He's going to be an interesting Joker. His take is really interesting um, because it's not like the weird um, that we got Jack Nicholson. And um, and the Heath Ledger one was actually really dark. And this Joker does look 
isn't as dark as Heath Ledger's, but I believe like he's more insane in the clinical term. Yeah, I can yeah. see that because, well, first of all, you know, Heath Ledger's Joker was in a more uh, realistic world. Yeah. And then you have, I, you know, they never really told us why he was crazy, but they kind of pointed towards he was, you know, a military person, you know, years before and he probably maybe post-traumatic stress, something like that. Yeah. Um, and Jared Leto, yeah, Jared Leto's Joker can be crazier because of the universe he's in. And I mean, the movie he's in, especially, he's got a bunch of crazy stuff going on in that movie. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is um, he's uh, he can be crazier, but not as cartoony as um, as Nicholas's uh, Joker. Nicholson. Nicholson. <laughs> you got to write the first line. <laughs> it's okay. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I agree. Yeah, Nicholson kind of played the... What do they always say? They say like uh, they say Heath Ledger was the anarchist, uh, Cesar Romero was the clown, Nicholson was the gangster, and they say that Jared Leto is going to be the psychopath, yeah. <laughs> which it seems like that's that's the way it's going to go. Uh, do you think we're, we have to get a Batman Joker scene, right? Oh, definitely. You can't have them both in the same movie and not have a scene together. Um, that would be oh, that would be amazing. Okay, and we kind of heard how they're going to try to connect it to Batman v Superman. And the rest of the world and the rest of the universe, in that in the beginning of the trailer, they say, "What if Superman came down and flew into the Oval Office and you know took took the president by the neck or something like that?" So, I, it looks seems like Amanda Waller is creating the Suicide Squad almost as a defense squad against Superman, um, even though Superman would probably go through them in about <laughs> a, half a second. But it's nice to see that there's a cohesiveness in this universe. And it's going to go through all the, they're not going to be like one shot movies and then all come together. Like a Mar like Marvel has their formula where they do one shot, one shot, one shot, one shot team, one shot, one shot, one shot team, which is fine. And it works obviously extremely well for them, but it looks like uh, the CEU is going to be more of each movie is going to be a continuation of the universe as a whole kind of thing, which I'm pretty excited for. Yeah. I'm pretty excited for it too, because in, uh, in Ant-Man, um, he kind of references, um, he's just like, why don't you just call the Avengers? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, it looks like um, they're going to be playing more off each other. And I like that because now you, you're just like, oh. Um, it gives you more of like a, it gives you more of like a timeline yeah, of what's going yeah, on in the yeah. universe. Because like with the Marvel one, solo movies is kind of like, uh, you know, which one comes before which they don't really, sometimes they, they usually reference what happened in uh, you know previous team up movies like you know uh, Thor will mention the event they all really mention the Avengers so yeah. they don't really say oh remember that time in your solo movie when you did this so this maybe I mean we only obviously have three movies uh, Batman v Superman referenced Man of Steel in a big way and now Suicide Squad seems like it's referencing Superman Batman v Superman we'll we'll see how that works into it so speaking of Suicide Squad we talked last week that they're doing their reshoots. Uh, there are rumors that maybe they were the studio was forcing the reshoots to kind of uh, bring more levity to the to, to the movie, and there are rumors that all the jokes in the movie were in that Queen trailer. But we saw even more jokes in this trailer than we had seen in the previous trailer, so that kind of puts that rumor to rest. It seems like those reshoots were just the uh, you know the regular reshoots that blockbusters do. They really never have enough time to get done everything they need to get done in the. I guess, uh, initial allotted time, shooting time. So they just went back and they're reshooting a few scenes. I mean, it happened in Star Wars too. 
they did yeah. go back and reshoot that and um and even in the last avengers they did reshoot some scenes so all major movies have reshoots exactly all major movies have reshoots uh jai courtney who plays captain boomerang said that they are shooting um they didn't have enough time to get all their action scenes done so they're shooting more action scenes which is fine with me <laughs> so um but Go at on, least go it's not like a major rewrite. <laughs> like exactly, that would before. be yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that would be bad. That would be bad news for the entire universe. But jumping off of that point, there were also rumors that maybe um, because they're saying maybe WB is trying to take more control of Suicide Squad, demanding the reshoots. So it looks like it looks like that's not true. But maybe they are becoming more hands on with the Justice League now. There are reports that. They're not giving Zack Snyder the creative liberties that he had with Man of Steel and uh, and BDS. I I mean I on one hand I usually like when the director gets to put his thumbprint and and deliver his vision because I feel like when the studio kind of gets their fingerprints on it you get a Fantastic Four, but the you know Batman v Superman it, it had its flaws. I enjoy it. I saw it twice. I liked it better the second time, but it does have its flaws. And Snyder is great with action sequences. He's not as great as pushing the narrative and the story. So I think I would be okay with the studio getting involved if the studio picked a godfather a la Kevin Feige to Marvel um, to kind of play that role. So here's a question I, I pose to you, Christopher. If they were to choose a godfather, who would you want to see be the godfather? Oof, that's a tough one. It is a tough one. We know Jeff Johns is working, uh, working hands on, and he's working with Ben Affleck on the on the Batman movie. So he's definitely a contender. There's also Bruce Tim, who's done the uh, animated movies and Batman the animated series, Justice League the animated series, and all those. He's my personal pick. Um, you could always I, go just yeah. anyone on the comic side, Dan DiDio, maybe even Jim Lee. Who knows? Go ahead. Yeah, I would have to go with uh, Bruce Tim. He probably has the most experience uh, bringing all these superheroes, even though it was animated, together. So, right. yeah. and off the comic book pages, because like you know, even though it is a, he does cartoons and animated movies, and he's doing the Killing Joke, he he's the only one who has really successfully adapted them from the comic book pages and made them work on screen. Yeah. Jeff Johns, he is writes amazing stories. But we don't know how well he'd be able to adapt them uh, on screen. And I'm not saying he's, you know, he's not going to be a director or anything. But just in that Kevin Feige role for DC, I think you have to go with someone who's been a producer, and that is Bruce Tim. He's very hands-on with his projects. Um, and I think he, I think he's, uh, I think, he, I mean, I don't think he's going to do it. I highly, highly doubt that he's going to get picked. I think it will be, if anyone, it'll be Jeff Johns. But man, I'd love to see Bruce Tim come. He just. He understands these characters. The the Justice League cartoons was just a perfect representation of all of those characters. Yeah, they they were. Um, I mean, they they really are in a tough spot right now because of uh, all the uh, bad reviews on uh, Batman vs Superman. Yeah, because uh, opening opening weekend, you can always uh, attribute the money that a movie makes on opening weekend to the hype, but right. Uh, Batman vs Superman really didn't have the longevity of uh, of the box office. It was a complete drop off the next weekend. Yeah, record so, drop off. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it just it's going to get to eight. Yeah, it's going to get to eight hundred million worldwide this this week. I think. Um, 
doesn't look like it's going to reach a billion. So they need, yeah, they need a home run here. And you're right, the negative reviews didn't help them at all. Yeah, the <laughs> critic reviews are uh, 29. Yeah, 29, and the audience score is, is 70%. So, I mean, it, it, you can take a little solace in the fact that the audience seems to really like it, mostly. Uh, the people who don't like it seem to really not like it. <laughs> like, it's either you think it's good, pretty good, great, or you hate it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a divisive film. They knew it was going to be a divisive film. Um, I think we all knew it was going to be a divisive film. When I was sitting in the theater, I was like, man, this is a divisive film. <laughs> so it, it is what it is. I think that, you know, it works for me, but I understand why it doesn't work for other people. And I, but I do think that DC and Warner Brothers needs to, not that they need to like change the way they make their movies and, you know, adopt the Marvel formula, but make them a little bit more mainstream, a little more accessible to the mainstream audience. Yeah. But, I mean, I still haven't seen it, but um, what I've heard is uh, they do a decent job of telling the Batman backstory, but what a lot of fans, um, the casual fans, what they were confused on was um, Superman's killing in this movie. I mean, Batman's killing in this movie, or at least seems to be killing in this movie. Oh, there's really kills. no, There's really <laughs> no explanation for it whatsoever. Well, I'll tell you, this is, and this is a spoiler. First of all, you need to see the damn movie already because it's right. you know, you, you, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say to you. It's, you're hurting our rep. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But um, there are there's the sequence, the nightmare sequence, which we've all known about. So it's not a spoiler. We've all known about it for like a year already. Uh, he uses a gun in that and he kills a bunch of people. But it it's either a dream or an alternate future or whatever. So I didn't really care about that. Then they come back from the nightmare sequence and there's a chase scene with the Batmobile and he's wrecks he wrecks cars. He drags cars behind him and kills people with his bat wing and to an extent i can understand it because you have to believe that in the end he would be willing to kill superman but it really hurts me to see batman kill so much i mean and michael keaton killed and no one seemed to really care but that was a different time in comic book movies so you could take more liberties with your characters now people want to see the 100 percent accurate representation of batman and that kind of hurt other than that he was perfect but um i'm hoping that and they, the thing is, they didn't really, if they gave like one or two lines, be like, oh, Master Bruce, you never used to do this uh, before, Ma you know, Jason Todd died or, or you know, whatever, you know, because they yeah. show you the Robin suit. So any little comment like that would have been, would have been, been like, yeah, okay, I understand. He's like, you know, he's completely broken, completely cynical. So he's basically dropped his morals and values. And this is the man he's become. Um, and then, you know, towards the end, maybe he would, I guess, backtrack to the way he used to be. But. I think that in Justice League, we'll see them kind of redact that a little bit. And, you know, I don't want to say too much because you haven't seen the movie yet. But I'm hoping that we see a, a Batman that does not kill in Justice League. Uh, what about you? Yeah, um, or at least an explanation on why he's doing, why he's killing in the Justice League. Like That's the maybe, thing. If you're, go ahead. Maybe we even get that in, uh, in Suicide Squad, you know. Because, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Because maybe they're going to be talking about him being, you know, maybe they're going to be like, well, Batman's a criminal too. He has, a, he has a body count and whatnot. So, I mean, they could definitely do that. But Justice League, I just don't see, you can't, like, nobody in the Justice League can kill. That's, that's their rule. Like, the Avengers, they don't say we don't kill, but we don't, they don't say we do kill. So, you can kind of get away with it in the Avengers. Where the Justice League has a strict no-killing policy, and you can't have a Batman in the Justice League who kills. I don't like it, and I don't want it. Even <laughs> though we're probably going to see Wonder Woman slice a few heads and, uh, in uh, her, her her movie because it takes place in World War One. 
But again, that goes into the development of the characters. So I'm really hoping we don't. I'm really hoping we don't see as uh, as many deaths by the hands of our heroes as we move on. And that's another thing that these people, a lot of the critics, aren't taking into account. This is the second movie in the universe. These characters need to develop. People are like, oh, I don't like Jesse Eisenberg's take on Lex Luthor. All right, but he can change. It's the first movie he's in. He can change in, you know, maybe in two or three movies down the line, he's going to be the exact Lex Luthor from the comics. We don't know. Uh, I personally liked his his uh, interpretation of the character. You can't be, this is what I was telling, and when I we did the review with Dave, you cannot be a comic book purist and go into these movies. You can't do it, you know? Because they have to change some things. And with Marvel, I don't think it's as big of a deal because, honestly, they're not as iconic of characters. And that works to their advantage because yeah, people don't know them as well. And Marvel doesn't have um, some of the, the cool villains they don't have the rights for. So. Right. Well, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't help them either. Yeah. <laughs> but they can take liberties with their characters because people don't know them as well. But when you have Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman, everyone knows who they are. We've seen multiple interpretations of all of them. So people have these ideas of what they should be. And you're never going to give them the exact idea. And they're going to be mad when you deviate from their value, core values that makes their characters or that have been part of their character for 75 years now. But, uh, but speaking of, since we're on the topic of Justice League, um, some of the Warner Brothers execs have come out and they said that they're sticking with Zack Snyder. There's been a lot of controversy. Should Zack Snyder step down? Should uh, Warner Brothers kick him to the curb? Um, I think we discussed it last week, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we definitely did. I think we said that we'd like to keep, we'd like to see him to stay. Uh, You know, it's his vision. We'll see what he can do. If the studio wants to be a little more hands-on, that's fine. Just give us a cohesive vision and an awesome movie. Hey, you know, they can always, um, they can always do Crisis on Infinite Earths and then um, restart the universe, you know, New 52. That would be, (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised to see them do that like 10 years down the line when they want to reboot it. If they're still making the money that they're making from the movies today, 10 years, and they want to kind of freshen things up a little bit, I wouldn't be surprised. Because you can't just do a, a, a hardcore reboot where it's just like, all right, well, we're going to end these movies here and we're going to start a new franchise here. You know, that would be a all nice way Spider-Man. of... <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be a nice way of kind of being like, all right, well, these actors and actresses are going to be gone because we're going back in time kind of and restarting from, you know, point A. So that'd be kind of cool. But, um, but getting back to Justice League, some Warner Brothers execs have said they're sticking with Snyder. And because the film is extremely kinetic and it's a visual crowd pleaser, they're saying it's a lot lighter in tone and it's going to be more suited for the mainstream audience, which is what we just said it should be. But what do you think about the idea of it being more of a visual crowd pleaser? I mean, we all know that Snyder is big on visuals, but we also know that, you know, people haven't been happy with the amount of destruction in his movies re- of, of late. Do you think that by visual crowd pleaser, they mean like flash effects and cool Superman effects? Or do you think they mean just a carnage? <laughs> um, well, do we know where this uh, movie is going to take place? Like, um, will it actually take place on Earth? Or I assume so. Um, again, I mean, this isn't really spoilers because we've seen them in the pictures before the movie came out. So obviously yeah. in the nightmare vision, you see the Omega symbol and the parademons. So there's um, direct references to Darkseid and Apocalypse. So I wouldn't be surprised. Remember, Justice League is a two-part movie, though. Yeah. You have part one and part two. So I wouldn't be surprised if they don't uh, reveal Darkseid until part two. Okay. And But then, yeah, I would think it would stay on Earth. 
I mean, I guess the only two places that it could take place on are Earth and Apocalypse. You can't bring in any other planets right now. It wouldn't really make any sense. So I'm going to assume that 90% of this movie is going to take place on Earth. Maybe they'll go to Apocalypse for like a scene here and a scene there to kind of set up Dark Side. But other than that, I think it's going to be all Earth-based, very terrestrial movie. Um, I think probably the first half of it will be, not the first half, but I think a good portion of it will be Batman trying to, to get everyone to join, but we'll see. All right, but since we're talking about DC, we're talking about DC films, let's uh, transition to DC TV. There was a major death on DC's Arrow on CW on Wednesday. Um, people were not happy about it. The fan base was not happy about it. Chris, were you happy about it? No. I know I wasn't happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, and all spoilers, obviously, for this, because it's a major death, a major cast member. So basically, in this episode, which is actually a decent episode, much better than their past two, up to the point of the death, Laurel Lance bites the dust. Dinah Laurel Lance, the Black Canary, one of the most iconic female characters in all of comics, was killed by Damien Dark with an arrow to, like, the side. Meanwhile, the mid-season finale of season three, Oliver Queen was stabbed through the chest with a sword and kicked into a ravine hundreds of feet below. And he was revived with some warm tea and herbs. And then in the season four <laughs> mid-season finale, Felicity Smoke was riddled with dozens of bullets. She lost all feeling in her legs and was paralyzed from the waist down. And two episodes later, she was walking again, and no worse for wear. Earlier in the episode, Andy Diggle gets shot with an arrow, and he's fine. But Laura Lance gets stabbed with an arrow, not even shot with an arrow, she's stabbed with an arrow, in like, in the, in the I, guess, I guess the gut, you could say, was kind of off to the side, yeah. in like the spleen. <laughs> <laughs> and then she dies. What? And this is what infuriates me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go on a little bit of a rant here. They did this because they had used... For, let's just start here. Arrow is a show of gimmicks. Season 3 uh, premiere, they killed Sarah and she's back. Season 3 mid-season finale, they killed Oliver and he came back a, a, an episode later. Uh, we knew he was going to come back, but the way they did it was just a cop-out. It, it's all gimmicks. They want you to keep watching and keep talking about it every time there's a break because they know if they don't do that, they're not going to keep the viewers. Season four, uh, mid-season finale, Felicity gets riddled with bullets. Oh, is she going to die? We all know she's not going to die. Stop with the gimmicks. Now, season four premiere, they tease this graveyard scene. And how often have we been talking about the graveyard scene since, Chris? Uh, a lot. Everyone's been talking about it, right? It, yeah, it keeps on coming up like maybe every four episodes or something. Yeah, at least. They, they keep on teasing <laughs> it. They were teasing it. They were teasing it all season long. And here's the thing. When they shot that, when they shot that scene, they didn't know who was in the grave. They implemented a gimmick without knowing the end game of said gimmick. And this is how you get an atrocious storyline when you have terrible writers who don't know where the story's going. So throughout while the season was going on, they just needed to find out A, who was going to die, and B, where to shoehorn the death scene in. And they somehow chose Laurel, which is really a shame because she just became Black Canary last, last season. I, know. I mean, this is this is one of the most iconic female super heroes ever, and she and, was, she and she was coming into her own as a uh, as a superhero too. Yeah, and you know what? This I mean, it, they completely telegraphed it. This entire episode was completely telegraphed. 
They gave her, she's been, you know, she's been sitting on the sideline the entire season. Uh, they gave her, the, you know, Felicity was basically mostly out of this episode and they gave all that time to Laurel and she killed it. And the episode was one of the better episodes this season while before her death. I, would you agree that she kind of like Katie Cassie was great in this episode? Oh yeah, she was great. And I really wish that we would have gotten more Black Canary centric episodes earlier on in the season. Yeah. Because now. I mean, we like, got, we got, they built up Felicity's rogue gallery. She got her little Brie, Brie Larvin villain, you know, in that terrible episode. It's probably the worst episode of the series ever. <laughs> the one before. But we couldn't get a Black Canary. Uh, little... But here's the thing about Arrow. They, they're such bad writers that they need to develop the characters in side stories like that. I know they have a 23 episode season and you need your filler. And that's fine. But if you look at a show like Daredevil, they develop Karen Page through the main storyline. So it just, it just shows the, the lack of writing skill and storytelling ability from Mark Guggenheim and Wendy Miracle or the producers of Arrow. And I think what makes the death even worse is that A, on her deathbed, the last thing she said was she was pimping Felicity. That's kind of a slap in the face to everyone. And B, right after the show aired, uh, Entertainment Weekly released an interview with Mark Guggenheim, and some of his answers were ridiculous. He basically equated Laurel Lance's worth to her ship. And I'm going to read you a quote right now, if I can find it. Okay, this is what Guggenheim said. We knew that it would enrage a lot of people. We're not blind to the shipping, in air quotes, and the internet controversy. But we've never made decisions on the show creatively because of the internet, which is a lie because... You already admitted that Overwatch was an internet-suggested name, you jackass. <laughs> <laughs> but moving on. Also, uh, Mama Smoke and Quentin Lance is also an internet suggestion, you jackass. But moving on. He continues. One of the things we knew that people would think is that in a season where Oliver and Felicity get engaged and Laurel dies, that's clearly making a choice about who's going to end up with whom. Truth be told, we told the Laurel-Oliver romance story in season one. We never really thought about going back to it. We recognize that upsets a lot of fans, particularly the comic book fans. In the comics, Dinah Lance and Oliver Queen are in a romance together. To some people, that is considered canonical and iconic. We respect that, but at the same time, we've always made no bones about the fact that we're telling our own version of the Green Arrow mythos. Green Arrow and Black Canary have had so many different interpretations over the years that we never felt beholden to one particular interpretation. So basically, you're saying... Sorry to everyone who wanted to see Laurel and Oliver get together uh, because she's dead. You're never going to be able to see Laurel and Oliver together again. What about the people who just like Laurel for Laurel? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what about the people who watched Justice League and Young Justice and really like the Black Canary character and watched Arrow and really like Laurel Lance character and they're watching just for Laurel, not for, oh, maybe one day Laurel and Oliver will, will get together. And this just shows, first of all, it's pretty misogynistic. Um, but it also shows the lack of understanding they have of these characters. What did you think? I mean, what did you think of the whole death? Because I mean, I, I just went on a, on a long rant. So, what did you think of? Yeah, they really never developed um, Laurel as the Black Canary, right? And that's that's um, that's the one thing that I was mad at—that she was just finally coming into her own mm -hmm. as a hero, and she never she never got a uh, a like quote unquote her own supervillain that she uh that she helped take down. She was always just a, a side character. Yep. Um so they really didn't do the character justice before she died. 
Yeah, so. they they failed her character in every season. Yeah, and they st- even the way they started the character, they introduced us to the character as her being Oliver Queen's ex girlfriend, whom he cheated on multiple times, including with her sister. So the CW had, does a great job of taking iconic relationships from the comics and ruining them in episode one of their shows. <laughs> because if you think about Barry and Iris, are they make Barry and Iris brother and sister, and they make Oliver and Laurel ex-lovers already. What, what are you doing, CW? They love that drama. They love that relationship drama. So they need to add it into the first episode. Get out of here with that. <laughs> Laurel should have been brought in the way Sarah was brought in as Black Canary, and there should never have been a Sarah. That's how it should have gone down. Laurel comes in, second season, like, who's this chick? She's badass. She's kicking everyone's ass. She's bothering women. Who is she? Boom, she's Black Canary. Boom, she's part of the team. Boom, maybe they're together, maybe they're not. Who cares? I don't care about the romance. I just want a good story. <laughs> um, yeah. And with, I mean, Flash, I guess Flash and Iris still have a chance. Personally, I think it's really weird. They're pretty much brother and sister, whether you want to admit it or not. You know, yeah. he was, what, six when that happened? Something like that. Was he older? I can't tell kids' age after like, it's like four, between like four and ten. I can't tell you their age. I think so, he was eight. <laughs> he was somewhere around there, right? Yeah. He was about, we'll say he's eight. So he's living with this girl since he was eight. I mean, it's not like he was three, but it's still, it's still a little weird. It's a little strange. <laughs> it's not like he was three. <laughs> well, you know, if he was three, then it would be like really weird. I meant, yeah, I guess I came off a little wrong. No, if he was three, I was saying if he was three, it would be, it would be, you couldn't do it. But I guess with him being eight years old, maybe you could say he would already had a little crush on her. Uh, I don't know. I don't like it. I think it's weird. And it was just, I mean, I, although I do, I do like the relationship we got from uh, Joe and Barry. So, whatevs. I'll, I'll let it pass. Flash is, the thing with Flash is that the writing is so good that I deal with things. <laughs> but, um, all right, let's step away. We'll step away from DC. We'll move on to Marvel. We saw some uh, Civil War footage from, from the MTV Movie Awards. It, I think it was a little quicker than the Suicide Squad footage. Because, uh, yeah, they're not really trailers. They're really, I mean, especially the Civil War one. It was just like a scene. It was like an action sequence. Uh, it was pretty great, though. What did you think? I thought it was pretty cool. Um, saw Cap kick a, kick a car into someone. Yeah, we, uh, we, saw, we saw them um, team up more. Well, it, it first started off more like a, uh, I thought it kind of reminded me of the last Captain America movie. Yeah. When it first started off. And then when um, they brought in the Scarlet Witch, I was just like, okay. It was legit. She was awesome. Yeah. I thought she, she is. I mean, she's obviously going to go up against the Vision. We already saw that in the last trailer. That's going to be pretty great because we know that they have a relationship in the comics as well, which is also a little weird. Since Vision, yeah, she also has a relationship in the, with her brother. I think that was in the Ultimates. I don't know. I don't know. I think that's like a, an alternate universe. But who wrote that? I forget who wrote it. But yeah, that's a little weird. Yeah. And twin brother. What the hell are you guys thinking? <laughs> Listen, comics can get weird. You know, you just have to filter out the weirdness. Uh, I don't think they're going to go. Well, we know Quicksilver's dead, so they can't go that route. Um, although I think that they kind of like in their interviews kind of hinted at that. Like, uh, like that's how they were playing them. Uh, what's her name? Elizabeth Olsen and Aaron Taylor Johnson. I don't it just know. would have been weird. That's weird. Yeah. Come on, guys. I'm glad they didn't delve into that in the movie. <laughs> yeah. But no, I thought the, I thought the footage was really cool. Um, it was really team cap. It was like a team cap. Um, a little montage. I think we saw a little bit of cro- like one split second of crossbones in there. Cap was kicking ass. Falcon was like you mentioned using his wings as a shield, which you think. Maybe foreshadowing to uh, Sam 
taking up the mantle of Cap after Steve Rogers dies, possibly in Civil War, possibly in Infinity Wars. I think that Bucky picked up the shield in the Winter Soldier, so if there's any foreshadowing, I think it would have been Bucky. But they've both taken they both on the mantle the, yeah. in the comics. So really, I think it's a given that Cap is going to die soon and one of them is going to take over. And it'll be interesting to see which one. You Would you vote Sam? I'd vote Sam. But uh, Bucky kind of shows that uh, he's probably stronger. But Yeah, I'd say so. I, I think I'd vote Bucky. But just because Anthony Mackie is a little punk when it comes to Marvel versus DC, so he's running his mouth. <laughs> the thing is, I don't see either of them um, leading their own movie. I, yeah, I don't see that either. I mean, maybe Marvel can kind of, uh, you know, the thing with Marvel is that they can kind of fill in the, the roles around them with a lot of talent and kind of prop them up with that talent. So, I, I mean, it's probably possible. If anyone could do it right now, it, it would be Marvel. Um, or really Disney, because they're doing it with Star Wars, too. Look what they do with Daisy Ridley. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think if with the right talent and with the right people behind the film, you know, maybe, maybe we could see a, a solo film with one of them as Captain America, which would be pretty cool, because then obviously you'd go into the whole you know, it was almost like a, an identity crisis. They would be taking over an iconic, an iconic role, and you know, people probably wouldn't accept them. I think that would be a great story for Marvel to tell because it would be less action-driven and more story-driven and more intimate. I think that'd be pretty great. Yeah, and it's something that something like that we haven't seen so far in the uh, in the cinematic universe. I mean, they has um, has Sam made his debut in the uh, the animated universe or no? Like, yes, as, he's uh, on, as Captain America. As Captain America? I don't think so. No. I know he's on, I think the show is called Avengers Assemble on Disney XD. Okay. Uh, but I'm, I, I, last, I don't really watch a show that often. I catch an episode here or there. And the last I saw, he was still Falcon. I don't think they'd kill Captain America on Disney XD. Especially, yeah, I don't think they... Show. Also, I don't think the, the animated series isn't going to do that, isn't going to pull that before the movies do, you know? They wouldn't, because yeah. then it's almost like a, you can you can guarantee that it will happen in the movies. <laughs> the movies really lead Marvel right now because even in the comics, the comics are changing to reflect the movies. So the cinematic universe is really taking the lead of, of Marvel right now, uh, which is fine if you like the movies. And some people I know in the comics industry or some comics fans aren't in love with it. But what are you gonna do? But uh, you can't please everybody. You can't please everyone. You're never gonna be able to please everyone. You just gotta do really. I mean. In the end, they're a business and you have to do a successful. Right now, the MCU is ridiculously successful and you got to ride that pony. <laughs> yeah, when you, when you think of a $1.4 billion movie as a failure. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Batman v Superman probably won't make a billion. I think, I don't think that's a failure, but I think, it, I think it's a disappointment. But I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't even say that's a failure. So to say Age Voltron, maybe they meant like, no, because they, they said financially, right? Because maybe, I mean, the reception was a little lukewarm. Once, yeah. like, the. Yeah, what they wanted to do was actually make more money than the original Avengers. Right, which is tough. That's yeah. tough to do. You really have to be, like... Because the original Avengers was hyped up so much. It's not like you had... It's not like it's just a second installment of a trilogy where, like, you have Batman Begins, which kind of came out of nowhere, and then The Dark Knight, which was amazing. You had... Avengers was hyped for so long. I mean, and, you had um, almost six years of trailers. Yeah, <laughs> pretty, yeah exactly. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's like it's it's like the Force Awakens in Episode Eight. Episode Eight is not going to make more money than Force Awakens. It's just not. 
because The Force Awakens was something that we'll never see again. That movie was hyped for how, how long? When was when did Return of the Jedi come out? It was hyped for like thirty years, you know. So yeah. you, you, it's just Episode Eight won't make as much, and we'll see Episode Nine depending on the story and how Eight is received and all that. Uh, one movie we also know isn't going to make as much as Force Awakens is another Star Wars movie, the one coming out this year, Rogue One. They just released their trailer this week, and it was amazing. What do you think, Chris? I have to be honest. Um, Uh-oh. when uh, I was actually, I'm actually more excited for Rogue One than I was for Episode Seven. Really? Yeah. Wow. Really? Yeah. And why is that? Because it's just different. We're getting a, a universe that we already know, but we're just getting something totally different out of it. It's and, a war um, film, yeah. It's yeah. Com- it's completely different than the other Star Wars films. It's a war film. It's set in a period where we really don't know much about. I mean, obviously, A New Hope comes like maybe half a year, a year afterwards. No, it's, uh, I mean, it's different. It doesn't have, uh, there's no Jedi in it. There's right. no, um, you know, magical force or anything. Oh, it, you know Vader's going to show up. Yeah, you know Vader will show up, but I, I don't think that he's going to play as big as a role as he did in uh, episodes four, five, and six. No, there are rumors that he's going to be an important presence. Um, he's just like, they, a, like a shadow figure in the background. Oh, I, yes. would, I think that would be disappointing. I think that he will probably be the one like pulling the, he'll be like the emperor of this movie. He'll be like pulling the strings um, and he'll have like his people going after Rogue One. Yeah. Um, but he better get an action scene. He better, <laughs> if he's in this movie, he needs to get an action scene. Have you, you I'm guessing you haven't read um, the Battlefront book? No, I have not. But, uh, well, I do know that Hayden Christensen did film a few scenes in the Vader suit. Oh, did so, he? For this movie? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm surprised they got him back. <laughs> I think uh, he deserves some redemption. I wouldn't mind seeing that. I mean, obviously, we're not going to see his face or anything. But, no. <laughs> and neither his voice either, but it's it's cool to get him in there. But um, in the Battlefront book, there's a scene on Hoth, during the Battle of Hoth in Empire. And uh, it plays out a lot like I'd like to see this movie play out. And I know Christian Harloff from Schmoe's No and Collider Video says it a lot. Um, there's a scene where they're like this little squad of like four or five people are kind of, they're they're running through the what do you call it? The, the the rebel base on Hoth and it's falling apart all over them and Vader is in there looking for Princess Leia and Han Solo and um, they run into each other and Vader just destroys them. I mean, he just goes, he just destroys them and it's written so well and I'm like, I need to see this in a movie because we've never seen that Vader. You know, because yeah, in, in the original trilogy, the the effects and the um, the stunts just weren't there at the time and then no, and also, also, you know, it is his son and daughter that he's going after, so he's not going to... Well, he does torture Princess Leia in the first movie, but... Yeah, I, don't, I, guess, I guess he doesn't know it's... Because he would... That's, that's the one thing. I mean, he, I guess he doesn't really know it's, it's his daughter in the, in the first one. I guess because she wasn't trained in the Force the way Luke was, even though he only had, like, 20 minutes of training before he, he destroyed the Death Star. Um, that's one of, just one of the things I guess you accept in the movie. But um, no, I, th- I thought I thought the trailer it was it was so different tonally from the Force Awakens, and I mean when I saw the Force Awakens trailers, I thought it was going to be a little more serious of a movie. And then when I saw it the first time, that's why I was a little bit let down on my first viewing because there were like all these crazy jokes and 
it was just really a lot different than I thought it was going to be. And then when I went and saw it again, I was like, all right, now this is sweet. But um, this movie looks like the movie I wanted to see. And you're right. I think now that I'm seeing this, I think I may be more excited to see this than The Force. Probably not, because I really want to see Luke again. But I'm still really excited to see it. I think it's going to be a great movie. I think it's going to be probably one of the best movies of the year. Uh, I love the tone. I love the look of those cool black stormtroopers. I love the look of the old stormtroopers. Just everything about it. Uh, I think Felicity Jones is going to kill it. Um, just like just like Daisy Ridley did. Although Felicity Jones has had a little more practice than Daisy Ridley. She was in Spider-Man. <laughs> she was in The Amazing Spider-Man too. She's going to be Black Cat. Yeah, she was. She would be a good Black Cat. Uh, maybe she'll be Catwoman eventually. We'll see how she does. If she does good in Rogue One, you know a bunch of other studios are gonna come knocking. We'll see how we'll see what happens. But uh same with uh Tomb Raider, Daisy Ridley. Um, but uh anything else you want to say about Rogue One? No, and also one of the reasons why I'm excited for I've always wondered what um the original trilogy would look like if it was done today with the yes. effects and the uh and you know the sim the cinematography that uh right essentially george lucas helped create right everything and um rogue one will answer that question how would an original trilogy star wars look today right and i think they try to do that with the force awakens but there was still a ton of cgi in the force Awakens. i'm sure there will be cgi in this but i don't think there's gonna be as much space in this movie it seems like it's gonna be more of a terrestrial battle like we didn't see any any x-wings flying and shooting or anything like that I think it's just gonna be. I think you're right. I think it's gonna be a more accurate depiction of what the original trilogy would look like. Yeah. In today's uh, today's filming standards, which is gonna be awesome. So I guess that'll be it on Rogue One. We did forget one topic in the DC uh, on the DC subject. Um, they they threw us some new dates this week. Uh, Wonder Woman is getting moved up two weeks earlier, so we'll see it uh, June second, twenty seventeen. Um, they also announced that there's going to be an October. 2018 date and a November 2019 date that are going to be DC films. Um, I'm assuming one of them is going to be the solo Batman film. Yeah, I assume the solo Batman film is going to happen sooner rather than later, so it's probably going to be the uh, 2018 film. I really hope it is. Oh, yeah. I would love to see that. We talked about it a few times already, but man, after seeing Affleck, the second I liked him in the first. I liked him the first time I saw the movie. Then I saw it the second time, and I was like. This guy is just, I need to see this guy in a solo Batman movie. <laughs> I need to see him in Gotham City and taking on those iconic villains. Uh, I just need to see a lot. I, I can't wait to see him in Suicide Squad. Can't wait to see him in Justice League. He's going to be the Iron Man of this universe, like it or not. I know everyone's like, oh, Batman is overused or whatnot. He's overused because he sells, and he's awesome. And he's going to be the Iron Man of this universe. Um, this 20, the November 2019 date, it could be a Man of Steel sequel. Um, I don't know really unless they want they throw a curveball at us and announce a brand new movie, which would also be pretty cool. Would you rather see a Man of Steel sequel or like a just a random new movie like a Teen Titans or a Booster Gold Blue Beetle movie buddy cop film that was rumored to to happen a few months ago? You see, a Teen Titans movie would be tough because um, Cyborg is a Titan, but yeah. now he's a founding member of the Justice League, right? So. They would have to make it older, so yeah. like a Titans movie. Well, if you watch Teen Titans versus the Justice League animated movie that just came out, they kind of play with that idea a little bit because Cyborg is on a Justice League in that movie, but he works well with the Titans, and yeah. they do it really well. I don't know if they. I mean, I don't know if they'd be able to do that in a movie. I think. Uh, I mean, 
I wouldn't mind seeing the Teen Titans, but I think I don't know. I don't know. I think that they can really because this this will give them a chance to really expand the universe. Whether you go Teen Titans, because now you're saying that all right now all these guys have sidekicks. That'd be tough. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it would be really tough. It's probably this solo the uh, the that Man of Steel sequel. Yeah, it's probably yeah. I think I, I think I'd agree with that. Um, and then there was a lastly there was a um, they also said that there is going to be a, an event film. Um, and Rogue Hollywood is saying that that film is rumored to be Tomb Raider with the rumored Lara Croft, Daisy Ridley. You pumped for that? Yeah, I'm pumped for it. And it actually makes sense because um, she would be, let's see, the next Star Wars film comes out this next year mm-hmm. and um, then two years after. So, yeah, she would, her schedule would free up. Yeah, she'd be like Around doing nine, time. and yeah, she'd probably do Tomb Raider and then go right into nine, episode nine. That is if she gets the role. I mean, I'm, we haven't heard any other names. I wouldn't I mean, mind. Last time I heard, it was they were just negotiating contracts. That last time I heard, um, her and Warner Brothers. Well, hopefully, hopefully they get her. I really want to see her. I anyway. I mean, other than that, maybe like Amelia Clark from from Game of Thrones. I wouldn't mind, but I would really like to see. Daisy. She'd be my first choice for sure, Daisy Ridley. But uh, Queen of Dragons. She wouldn't be bad, right? No, she wouldn't be bad. She has the accent, just like Daisy. I think that those would be my top two for sure. I would, if you told me it was Daisy Ridley, I'd be like awesome. If you told me it was Millie Clark, I'd be like awesome. Yeah, <laughs> can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with those with those gals. No, you can't. I mean, <laughs> Amelia Clark is a little bit older. I didn't know, but she's like thirty. Yeah, she's, I think she's like twenty eight. So that's why I think they 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 go with uh, Daisy because she's like I orange, mean, like twenty three. Yeah, she just turned 24. So she is our age. Oh, but there's that, that cool picture of uh, how um, Mark Hamill wished uh, Daisy Ridley happy oh, birthday. Right. That symbolic uh, Yoda scene that they that recreated. That was great. Yeah. That was great. He's on top. She's giving her a piggyback. Which, which t- she's giving him a piggyback ride, which tells you how strong she is. Yeah. So it's not like she's... he's like a little kid. <laughs> he's a grown man. Yeah, he, she was deadlifting like almost 200 pounds. Yeah, I think she said that she um, she began training for The Force Awakens and she really loved it, so she hasn't stopped, which is good on her. That's great. I mean, it also works well for a Tomb Raider movie, too. It so. really does. That's why she's got to be. She's got to be, she's gotta be Lara Croft. If they don't say it's her, I'll be pissed. Only, I'll be pissed. But let's just, let's, let, let's leave it there. We're at... <laughs> now we're just babbling on. Yeah, we're just babbling, really. So that'll do it for this week's episode of the Bluefish Comics Podcast. Hope you all enjoyed. Chris, where do you tweet from? I tweet at ChrisDanger01. And you can also find me on Instagram, the same tag name, ChrisDanger01. And you can find me at Bluefish Comics on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, SoundCloud, and at BluefishComics.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. All right, see you.